You're listening to episode 278 of the Major Issues Podcast. In it, we talk about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle story, The Last Ronin, go over the franchise, and talk about its future. The Major Issues Podcast starts right now. everybody out there in comic book land my name is george serrano aka the don and if you're listening to this you can only be here for one reason that's a brand new episode of the major issues podcast brought to you by comicbookclick.com and as always i am never alone sir if you could please introduce yourself how's it going everybody it's jonathan escudero aka yogi yogi is back and we do this with GTV, but I'm feeling like the Sharon Carter, uh, you know, it's been so long. <laughs> oh, it's been so yeah. long. <laughs> I've, I've been, uh, you know, we've been in opposite directions this entire time, but being able to come together and not only be able to come together, but to celebrate the 40th anniversary, 40 years, bro, older than both of us, uh, the anniversary of the creation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. Bananas. That's freaking crazy. Uh, it's crazy that they're older than us, honestly. Uh, or that they're so close in age and that we're almost 40. Aren't they the most popular parody of all time? I think at this point, they would have to be, right? Like they would. Oh, maybe Deadpool. <laughs> I think yeah, when it comes to comics or superheroes, it may be. Uh, uh, nah, I don't think Deadpool has generated as much money as. The turtles, the Ninja honest. Turtles. Can we? Yeah, he's like, merch, bro. Kind of... Merch, like yo. Deadpool's a little control. fresh, yeah, in the, in the public's uh, mind compared to the turtles. Hundred percent. Yeah, they might be the most, uh, the most popular parody of all time, and I just remember growing up, they were always just a thing. Like you couldn't escape them. You would see uh, costumes for Halloween. You would see video games. I had those Pez dispensers. Like anything you could put turtles on, book bags and school. Everyone knew about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I loved playing the arcade games. I loved playing the, yeah. a, any of the video games um, where you're surfing in the sewers and, oh, my toe, my toe. <laughs> All that. Uh, absolutely. Can you remember uh, your first time with the turtles or your earliest memories with this franchise? It was one of those things that I was like always uh, peripherally aware of because, like you said, it, they were everywhere. So they were just like, even before I've ever watched a Ninja Turtle thing, I knew what they looked like because I'd seen them on advertisements or, or the bus or a magazine or somebody's book bag or, you know, like, so yeah. I... Like, I know a lot of people ask me, like, you know, you didn't see the 80s show. Like, I didn't. Like, my first Ninja Turtle show was the 2003 one. Uh, okay. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, and that's all I know of Ninja Turtles. And from what I hear, that was, like, a good place to start. <laughs> like, that was pretty faithful to the comics, and they changed some things to be family-friendly, but... Uh, so maybe what I know is more than what I think I know, but that's all I know. That's all I really know. That and the movies, the first two movies. Uh, the first two live action? You're talking yeah. about the Michael Bay's? Have you seen the Michael Bay's? No, I haven't seen the more recent Turtle movies at all, actually. I have no real pull. And there's no beef. Yeah. Like, if that's somebody's Turtles, 
That's great. <laughs> I like my deep, like, I don't need to be realistic or alien looking. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I like my, uh, my turtles as they are. Hashtag um, not my turtles. Uh, in actuality, uh, this episode was penciled in to celebrate the, I want to say, 30th anniversary of that terrible third film. Where they wow. go to Japan and time travel <laughs> until I realized that the turtles were actually created 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny way to get here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, so that, uh, besides that third film, those two films, I, maybe it's nostalgia, but like, how could, how, like, that's the best case scenario with that franchise, right? Like, yeah. How do you how do you improve upon that? How do you improve like without uh, unrealistic CGI? You know, um, going to the point of not making things feel real or in the room. I feel like those two turtle films really did a lot to make the entire franchise feel more tangible. Um, and it's hard even now when we have better technology for me to sink my teeth into the new turtle stuff because it's like that that to me seems peak but again it was of my time how did you feel about those first two turtle films i actually rewatched them recently i want to okay. say maybe uh, a year or two ago uh mm -hmm. I, I i i just remember um I actually I can't remember exactly what it is because I know I liked one movie better than I did the other. <laughs> I, can't, I can't fucking so, I can't freaking remember which one it was. Is it which direction is it? Is it the first one that's a little darker than the second one has to yeah. be family friendly? Yeah, the yeah. first one is the one where they jump them at their house. Yeah, and then they um they have to run to like the country. <laughs> to yeah. hide and uh splinter is crucified <laughs> in chains <laughs> on the <laughs> gate and like bleeding out and like using his force ghost to talk to the turtles <laughs> through the campfire it's a very dark and and at one point in that fight like i said where they all got uh ambushed uh rafael gets knocked out and he doesn't wake up for weeks they just move him with them to the country and then put them like in a, like a bathtub. And there's, uh, and I think Leo is just, there's a famous picture of, um, I think April drawing Leo at the, uh, you know, uh, the front door watching Raphael, hoping that his brother comes back to life. So yeah, it gets a bit, <laughs> the first one's a bit dark. The second one is Vanilla Ice. <laughs> go Ninja, go Ninja, go. The, the second one, I the, because I, I I like them both. Don't get me wrong. I just I really like the first one a lot. And then the second one, you have things like having to use sausages as a weapon because yes. they don't want us to use the Ninja Turtle weapons. It's like, all right, yeah. I understand the limitations, and I don't blame them. Compared to the first <laughs> one, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, and that's another thing. I mean, we never see these people get stabbed, even though they have swords and even thighs. We never see anyone get scratched or blood. Like they're very strategic about how they use their weaponry. Um, love those uh, first two films. I have this weird curse where the first film I see of multiple franchises in the '90s, I saw the second one first, and so that's the one that imprints on me. But the first Batman I saw was Batman Returns. 
The first Ninja Turtle movie I saw was Secret of the Ooze. The first uh, Johnny Five movie I saw was Short Circuit Two. Um, it just happens that 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 goes that way with me. So instantly, I fell in love with Part Two. Now, when I went back and saw Part One, I'm like, this is dark. Like the children of New York, the orphans, basically the the people who fall through yeah. the cracks <laughs> and being manipulated by the foot to steal like car batteries and all this kind of like it was real dark stuff. Um, but on the other side, uh, with part two, I have babies, <laughs> they're babies. <laughs> like, I'll never forget Shredder <laughs> just being completely upset that he's done like this weird, like cursed, screwed up genetic experiment. <laughs> and now he has these two baby minded mutants, this big ass wolf and a turtle. And they think that he's the mom. <laughs> Mama, like that. <laughs> He's like, just mad that he has responsibility now. Damn it's hard, it. bro. It's it's hard, bro. It's hundred percent hard. Um, now there's people who know you, um, that will be listening to this episode, and there's also also people who don't that will be listening to this episode, and you might be pissing off some of those people. But I'm gonna put you on the spot. Uh oh. Do you have a favorite turtle? Uh <laughs> I do have a favorite turtle. You're gonna piss off seventy five percent of the audience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's mathematically right. Like you're gonna. <laughs> I would hope. I don't turtles. know what the. I don't know what the Ninja Turtle fandom looks like, but I would hope there's like no inter, inter, <laughs> inter, inter civil wars like. Right. <laughs> yeah, cross sections of the of the audience. Anti <laughs> anti Donatello fans out there, fa. Uh, and I think this might not be a controversial choice at all. I I feel like there's two turtles that a lot of people always gravitate towards you, and I'm and I gravitate towards one of them. <laughs> I'm yeah. not gonna pick an outlier. I'm gonna go with fucking uh with Mikey. Yeah, uh, oh, I didn't think that was gonna be. I thought you were gonna say uh, the two turtles Ralph. people fight for are uh, Leo and Ralph. Ralph, Ralph. I yeah. like Mikey the most because he's a, he's a. a I like stoner caricatures. I like to see how far they <laughs> go to 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 do all the characteristics without giving them the actual stoner. You're right, right. You yeah. know, like giving them the actual stuff. <laughs> like like Shag I love Shaggy because of that. You know, like I love I love well, those characters. What, what an interesting insight. So you're saying that uh like Mikey is a oh, 100%. But you're saying Mikey is a closet almost. You know like not he's a, out and he's out. A stoner, he's a stoner how, turtle. If that if is he, crazy. I can dig it though. I can yeah. dig it. I, did sure. you did you always know it was Mikey? Yeah, but but that's because I like I said I come from the 2003 show. Mikey's always the guy to set up. He's the comic relief. Uh right. and he's always the guy to set up the best lines and the and then they have like the one surprise episode where the comedian is actually really helpful and it's like stuff like that really gets me it, I, as a kid it sticks with you oh so this comic we're about to talk about is about to kill you but before we get there um did you feel when you saw the series and then went back to the live action films was that portrayal faithful in your eyes of mikey well i i it's weird to call it. I, I don't know if I ever had like a disconnect or anything. I didn't yeah. I didn't feel different, but I, I don't think my mind was trying to compare them because I know that this came first. 
So if anything, okay. I should be. I should maybe. This is the standard. This is the, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So I never had a real issue with it, and I thought. He, I mean, he's pretty much the same pizza loving. Hey, dudes, it might be <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, mine is Donnie. Donnie yeah. is uh Donnie's my turtle. I fuck with Donatello. Always been a Donatello fan. I fuck with the fact that he has a stick, and that's all he got. Stick, <laughs> because when you were a kid and you went into the backyard, all you had is broomsticks and stuff. Like you don't really have right uh, weaponry that you can mess with. So I always dug the bow staff. Like oh, that always had respect for me. Um, he never had beef, and a friend of mine always picked Donnie in the arcade game. And it was really cool uh, to watch the um, 90s movie because there's a sequence where, and this almost gets replicated in almost every other media or medium, where Raphael and Leo are fighting and Donnie and Mike are just sitting in the back like, yo, so what kind of pizza you want? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> what if, so, you know, are we going to rent that movie or what? You know, and like super chill. So it was always real easy. To, for me to root for Donnie or uh, Mikey in those situations because, yeah, they never took anything serious. Uh, Ralph was a bit much for me. He was like, you know, he got a bit Wolverine to the Cyclops of uh, of Leo for a second. But now as an adult, I completely understand the need for a Leo. You know, it took me a while. I was not a fan of Leonardo. Ralph is my second. Ra- Ralph is my second favorite uh, turtle. Uh, yeah. But that's because I have a lot of anger issues. I <laughs> Bro, I really I dug their you. portrayals in TMMT, the actual CGI. Yeah, that was pretty good. I dug, uh, I dug how they uh, portrayed those two because they got into like that argument, and he was like fighting crime at night. He had like a Batman persona, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and they got into it. My biggest regret is I feel like the most recent. Um, iteration of the turtles have escaped me. You know, there's a you know rise of the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There was a 2012 series that didn't really gravitate towards. Um, to me, it was always Power Rangers neck and neck. And in my opinion, because of the lore of the turtles, you can spend some time without them and not really miss a beat. Like <laughs> there's you it, once you get the origin and kind of what you remember of the franchise, it kind of stays that way. Um, which is why I felt like I didn't need to see the new Michael Bay films, right? Because it's like, I think that the turtles have a surprising, uh, I don't want to say it's not like a deep, like, it's not like, oh my God, it's a deep lore, but I think they have a surprising tapestry, like, of yeah. stories, especially, uh, really recently, not re- maybe the last couple of years, like three, three to four years, uh, IDW had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and they did this run uh, I think it may have been a hundred straight issues where they were just connecting all sorts of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles history and weaving together this sweet blanket and it's like wow they do have a pretty freaking cool lore don't they I have to take the time to dig into this because it looks pretty interesting even from the start characterizations of the characters like that's something they expect kids to kind of gravitate towards and you pull a six seven year old teenage mutant Ninja turtle fan to the side and you say which one's the serious one and which one is the one to yeah. and they'll know a hundred percent right they color-coded like, too yeah that, that also helps <laughs> <laughs> but like 
they this is yeah. you know they could have made this uniform and that's one yeah. point it, it was you know they could have made this um two-dimensional and as many things that do sell toys at one point it was um but this almost uh compulsion to extend the lore uh especially when it started off as this like <laughs> silly parody thing this and I'm going to make a confession here, right here, live on the Major Issues Podcast. The story of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is my bar story. That's my, you want me to whip up something a bit impressive? You want, yeah. me, to, you want, me, to, you want me to say something a bit uh, that's going to be like, wow, really? It's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle thing. Because they were created almost as a parody of the super serious Ronin Frank Miller Daredevil. Right? And um, so for those who are uninitiated, and I'm almost certain in a previous TMNT podcast, we talked about this, but it is alluded that um, the same chemical truck that blinded Matt Murdock dropped a canister that fell into the sewers in New York City, uh, thus creating the turtles. And... While Daredevil has a stick as his as his mentor and who teaches him all about stuff, the turtles have Splinter. As uh, Daredevil fights the hand, the turtles fight the foot. As Daredevil, um, you know, fights and then becomes a kindred spirit with this weirdly skull obsessed <laughs> vigilante named Punisher. They end up linking up with the skull mask wearing Casey Jones, <laughs> and um, entertaining is I I would whip that out, bro. You wouldn't imagine the gasps. There's a lot of people surprised about even that their name. There. Even the very concept is just is taken from like the popular comics of the time, like teenage. Yeah, boom, 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 boom. Astonish and con. It's like yeah, it's like astonishing, like uncanny. You know, uh, new mutants or whatever. Injured, Teen uh, Titans. Yeah, yeah. It just, yeah, it just threw <laughs> yeah. all that stuff together. It's great. Um, yeah, it's and- crazy how something like that though can turn into like its own franchise. And make as much money as it did. And as we know, you know, it became, it got the animated series and that's really what kicked off the whole merchandise machine. The video games, like I said, I've played them all, Turtles in Time. I'll sit there at a, bar, at a barcade now at my age and, and spend a lot of uh, dollars trying to get through that thing. What did you think initially as somebody who is, who has traversed uh, the ocean of comics that you have? What did you think of the idea of something like Last Ronin? Uh, the the minute I was still working at the shops when I when they announced it, and okay, one of my friends, or I guess <laughs> I don't know if he still likes me, but he was. <laughs> I was gonna say like we have to requalify him. <laughs> we don't he know. He was a friend when I was working there, and he's a big Ninja Turtles fan. And he's like, okay. "Come look at this," and he explained it to me, and I was like, "Holy shit! Like that sounds awesome. That sounds." <laughs> awesome and then we didn't like one of the big hooks was like who's the turtle like who's the one who got yeah, left who is the behind turtle? so it was it was really cool i was looking forward to this way before it came out i'm glad we finally got to get to it yeah um i feel like it's equal parts old man logan and dark knight returns 
Yeah, I actually didn't know how. Like, I thought just from the concept, it sounded like okay, like a Dark Knight Returns esque uh, story. But I didn't know just how much influence it was going to take. Like some of it, some you of the stuff. You think like, you think that's deliberate? Well, or or has that just become the standard when it comes to revisiting well, older heroes coming back? You know, in a dis in a weird future that we don't understand, kind of stuff. Well, Eastman specifically, I think it's on purpose because uh, Frank Miller is one of his like influences. Oh, what we're talking about? We just talked about the birth of the turtles, right? Like that. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was a legitimate yeah. parody of yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think I think they absolutely looked right at the Dark Knight Returns for the idea, like uh, because I, from what I've been able to gather, this concept was thought of a long time ago, right? The, the concept, concept for the story of, for the last Ronin would have been yeah because eventually they the 80s. eventually they gave up their um they sold yeah. outright the turtles yeah you know this is that's what's uh, unique about this story it it's literally from the actual creators it's the first time together in decades quite some time so yeah their ability to be able to come back together uh for this meant like you said this was something that they had already decided already had in their heads um and it's gotta be kind of weird right want to relinquish control over something that you've created and watch it become this juggernaut like literally like uh lunch boxes scooters uh you know video games uh fidget spinners all of it um and then decide like well can we tell the story that we've always wanted to tell? Or if anyone's going to get to this ending, right? It's going to be us. <laughs> like yeah. if anyone's going to uh, tell this story, it's going to be us. Um, I, I, I agree with you. There's definite um, Dark Knight Returns vibes. Like I said, Old Man Logan vibes. What do you think sort of separates this from that Old Man Logan sort of trope that I feel like um, has kind of befallen comic books as they tend to look for new avenues and new stories to tell uh, with characters. Well, I think the uh, I think the thing that sets it apart is that it wasn't trying to separate itself at all. Like it just leaned all the way in. Like I don't know yeah. how much of modern comics Kevin Eastman is actually reading. Yeah. <laughs> like I think, and it felt like it was ripped right out of the time they conceptualized it. Like from the dialogue to the the art, uh, just to the actual story they were telling. It's like it, it's like it walked right out of nineteen eighty five. I can't even consider the things that came in between because it feel it legitimately feels like they wrote it back then. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I really do like how you go through that first issue and you really don't know who you're following. It really yeah. could be yeah. anyone. Um, yeah. They have seemingly gone through some things. They, you know, while they're able to joke, it gives you that Batman-esque inner monologue, right? When you're following four turtles, you tend not to be completely uh, invested in one right and now we have one and you're in his head and there's nothing giving away who it could be at this moment um did you have any kind of inclination were you trying to suss the clues uh did you have your own bet on who it could have been at the time 
Yeah, we kind of thought it it might we we thought it would be a good story if it was Michelangelo. Yeah. Just because of how uh I, like his 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 light character going through such a dark yeah, my mic sounds like shit right now, and I don't know why. <laughs> I think uh, you sound good. <laughs> it just his character going through such a dark situation seemed like something really interesting, and that's kind of what we were rooting for. If yeah. anything, that's a, that's a good way to put it. We were rooting for it to be Mikey. And the thing is, like like you said, it's already a dark turn that the the party dude, <laughs> yeah, is the last um, surviving, yeah member of his family an even darker turn <laughs> to have him actively see his siblings yeah and be able to talk to them how did you feel about that uh development that was messed up <laughs> i i like that they never they never got around to like using the colors until he uh uh to almost throughout the whole story i mean and when they did use it it was meaningful but like because originally you know they didn't have any colors when right. Espen and, and uh, La, I can't pronounce his fucking name. Uh, Laird, Liar. Laird, Laird, Laird. Liars. I think it's Laird. I don't know. <laughs> Could be completely wrong. Yeah, you know, it was just the black. It was just the black bandanas. I thought that was a cool uh, homage to that. Yeah, yeah. And it really went back to those art styles whenever they went to a flashback. Oh, that was whenever so sick. It would April be Eastman. Yeah. Whenever they did a flashback, it would be Kevin Eastman, but then sometimes the flashbacks would have a flashback in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. And the, yeah, they just bounce back and forth. I'm like, okay, wait, wait hold on. <laughs> Who's telling what was going on? Um, deathly serious. Blood and gore. Yeah. Galore. You know, beheadings. Um, possibly my favorite moment was watching uh, Splinters. Uh, Splinter go against um the army, the Foot Clan, yeah, and just uh behead a bunch of people. I that did not, ex I did not expect it this to be as serious as it was. I did not expect to see an April O'Neil who is a quadriplegic. <laughs> She's missing limbs. You know, uh, that that's a lot. Yeah, um, I did not expect uh them to deal with the fact that. Mikey's dealing with survivors go. Um, we have an April O'Neil, like we were supposed to talk about. Um, no Casey Jones, but their daughter is not only in this book, but she is a mutant. She is a mutant, just like the turtles. Uh, apparently, they just got mutated from hanging around mutant nuclear turtles. Who thought? Who would have thought? They went to the um, uh, Peter Parker School of <laughs> what is it, the Last Rain, or whatever. Oh, just around these no. radioactive people, bro. It just uh, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, were you super into Turtle Comics? Have you have you dabbled at all in no, the never, story they told there? I never knew where to start until recently, where they just gave me like, oh, you can start right here, number one, right and. And then, you know, they got so popular that I was never able to go and buy them from number one. So I would have to find them online and read them that way. And eventually I do plan on reading just this this run, at least. And if anything else entices me, I'll go backwards. But no, no, yeah. I haven't really gotten to. Um, 
do you think that this book is going to be the almost entryway for a bunch of people trying to break into this uh, sort of just the lore in general with the turtles? I think. We, I think we, there's, we hear a, there's a game, right? There's there might yeah. be there's a game being greenlit. I uh, would turn this into anything and everything. I would do a movie. <laughs> I would do cartoons. Nah, uh, a movie would break my heart, bro. But exactly. you got to do it in the suits. You got to yeah, do it in the suits. I don't give a fuck about the CGI. <laughs> you know, throw all that out of here. It's, get all the scientists the out of here. same 90s suit. Yeah, but the Rubber same story. All the same suits, man. This is where we need someone like Zack Snyder <laughs> to overdo it. Hundred percent, but still the suits. Like I said, slow motion. Same rubber suits. suits. (laughs) Don't fucking. Oh, oh, do your thing. Do your thing, Snyder. Do your thing. That sounds okay. What do you think is one of the most cinematic moments in this uh, five issue run? What would you say is a moment Uh, that 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 just serves to be seen in a cinema? uh, (laughs) The scene besides the ending. Don't give the no, ending away yet. Not that. that that's scene, that's just pitch perfect. But there's yeah, a scene where uh, Master Splinter realizes that they've been betrayed by the <laughs> yeah. planet, and he just like instantly chops off three heads. Like <laughs> real uh, quick, uh, yeah. they were just messengers. But no, off with all three of your heads. I need to see that. And then I think Donnie's like, um, it's you know, uh, you know, Oroku. We shouldn't have trusted them. And he goes, if you think I would have brought this weapon if I trusted them? Because <laughs> you thought this was. We out here. Um, bro, jaw on the ground as I watch Michelangelo almost co- commit ritualistic suicide. <laughs> it hit you one. Oh, Did man. you catch that? that like was he was. Wild. I caught it immediately because I, like I said, I was not expecting this to have so much of the Dark Knight Returns in it. Like we're we're almost beat for beat sometimes. Like we start yeah. the story with Man, he uh, spent a lot of time in the sewers too. Yeah, <laughs> we're ten to fifteen years removed from a tragic incident that caused the loss of uh, important parts of the family, if not the whole yeah. family. And now there's, there's the, underground resistance. There's an underground resistance, and you got a main character who's far removed and wants to die. Yeah, <laughs> every get, turn, please kill me. <laughs> they get brought back in by a fucking a girl version of a former sidekick, and I was just like, "We're really going there." Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, you really got to carry Kelly in this. Holy shit! <laughs> full on, full on. Um, yeah, I I saw that moment. Right, guy's about to commit suicide. I'm like, this is absolutely crazy. Get saved by somebody later on when we go through. Um, and I think that the inciting incident is a bit like I love that it's not like overly complicated. It's like Baxter Stockman was like, <laughs> I'm just gonna blow up this building. You guys are yeah. all in it, so screw it. You know, I'm just gonna blow the whole <laughs> thing up, and he did. You know, and then we had the other inciting incident in uh, Japan, but. I love that they didn't make that overly complicated. I think these things are almost better when almost when every avenue is not explored. But I also think that that is a that's done on purpose so that they could explore those avenues <laughs> at a later date for money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Maybe we can tell another story here. But I right. don't think um, we got right to the point with everything in the story, which is really cool. Like we just got right to things. 
how did this happen? This is how it happened. All right, moving on. The, each, each one of these issues is uh, extra stuffed with content, I, yeah. I would say. Um, but I feel like even even through all of it, it has a pretty simplistic story. Um, you know, watching Michelangelo come back, we, we find out, because like I said, jumps around through time, that there was supposed to be a, a truce between uh, their clan and Shredder's clan. This would be Shredder's grandson. I believe yep. that's who they're fighting in this a uh, man named Oroku Horito Horoto. Um, and it's basically both an ambush in Japan and in uh, New York. And they believe to have taken out the tur turtles entirely, but Michelangelo is the last surviving one. He goes yep. to Japan to try to warn um, his family members, find out that they have succumbed also, even though they didn't show Splinter's body. So it's a bit of me. It's like that feels like some sequel bait stuff. They like, did, you know, they didn't show us Splinter's body, but I felt like that was one of those things where it's like we're meant to. Is it supposed to be more? Is, is that was that supposed to be classy? Yeah, yeah, like it, like his, classy. Yeah, yeah, like those arrows are sticking out of the bottom of the page. <laughs> but it's his, it's his rat body. <laughs> That uh, rat bastard. Yeah, I think we failed to mention too that the, a part of the reason why they were so outgunned is because Ralph finally uh he kind of answered for his hot headedness. Yeah. Yeah. Um you, we saw a more subdued Ralph. Um was then they end up basically this is uh when they end up telling Casey and uh April about all this, right? Because yeah, yeah. they initially thought all all this was sweet that they had this truce with the Foot Clan and everything was going to be what it was. There had been so much bloodshed between those two. Um, they had even dealt with Shredder's daughter Karai, which I didn't even know was a thing. I think most that, modern characters, mo most modern Turtle fans know, was that somebody introduced in the 2003 or somebody who was even showcased in that show that you watched. I vaguely remember this character, so I want to say probably because I don't have anywhere else where I would have gotten them from. But <laughs> yeah, no, I was gonna say yeah, the, 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 his daughter. I think Rav got take. I think he. I don't want to say he took himself out, but he got taken out like right before they were offered the truce. Yeah, I think it's the death because they they say, that underwater fight, bro, was rough. Yeah, basically, uh, that was that was sick. Yeah, like, I was like, oh, damn. How <laughs> like, not even mad? Like, you guys, you got it. Um, it's, it's so weird because, like I said again, I had never thought that the Turtles could get to this level of seriousness. But everything, nothing felt gratuitous. Nothing felt, you know, uh, edgy for edgy's sake. This felt like the trajectory this franchise would have taken if it grew up with its fan base. Yeah. Do you think there's room for this or are they best served primarily serving children and selling merchandise, which we've seen is not only their primary function, but possibly their best use. I think there's room for both. I think yeah. there's always room for both. I think in this world full of nostalgia, we need to be careful about, 
like there's a there's this balance right between rebooting something for new viewers and trying to keep the old ones interested and i feel like a lot of times they fail uh miserably yeah uh, i think you need, that to, balance. you need to stop trying to find that balance <laughs> Uh, serve one fucking section of the fan base with their thing. Serve the other one with their thing. You can have both. You know, like there can be the Nickelodeon Ninja Turtle show, and there can be a, a gritty, you know, Netflix whatever Turtles yeah. thing. You know. Yeah, I think this game is going to put a lot of people onto this uh, this story in general. I, I can't. Wait. I really I, would like to play it. I think that kind of just want them. I kind of just want them to animate it. Yeah, I would love to just watch this CGI uh, or no, 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 God, no, because you lose you lose a lot of the. Uh, what's the word for it? I don't know. I don't aesthetic? have a word right now. The aesthetic—that's a good word for it. Especially, those, <laughs> I especially think that word's a cover all for most part. So I like to throw <laughs> it out there sometimes. <laughs> you know what's the aesthetic? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that. It's provocative. I don't know what it means. <laughs> yeah, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, I think you know this got this thing has the Neo Tokyo aesthetic. Do you remember when you first uh was was like, oh, this is you started getting that Dark Knight Returns vibes? I started getting Dark Knight's Returns vibes. I'm almost immediately. <laughs> it was the, it was something about the way that it was written, just the inner dialogue, the just the way it was going, so the way the story was going. That I just, I immediately thought, you know, Dark Knight Returns. I when we got to when I get to the end and I read the foreword and I see, you know, thanks to Frank Miller and Jack Kirby, and then I see there's a variant cover that's a direct homage to the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, and by yeah. Kevin Eastman. I'm like, oh, okay. So I was not off at all so now i don't have to look for it i can just enjoy it i'm just like oh this is coincidence no it was on purpose it's fine in in your opinion five issues right yeah was was it a smart move or uh could they have held out on the identity of the original turtle or the turtle of this uh this franchise uh i think that the I don't think they ever meant for it to be a mystery. I think they okay. just kind of wanted it. It was a mystery for solicitation. Yeah. Just that. It was going to be yeah, a mystery for, for the story. Yeah. Yeah. Like, who is this book going to be about? But as soon as you open it, a couple of people change, you find out, you know. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay with that. I liked it the way I liked it the way they revealed everything. Yeah. And I, I, I looked it up. Neil of all people. He's <laughs> like, you know, I, I looked it up. She was. Who are you talking to? Uh, Shredder's adopted daughter absolutely was in the show that I watched. Yeah, yeah. I was, was like, she the big bad in the finale? Like, interesting. The, the show goes for seven seasons and then it ends with a movie. That's to say that at least up until this point, she had been known for twenty years, at the very least. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. You know, before then when she was introduced, but yeah, I guess Karai. Uh, you know, was a mainstay, which is pretty interesting. I wonder how oh, far shit. this guy comes by. Ba I don't think this I guy saw goes. This movie. This movie <laughs> cool. There's a movie based on your series. Well, the it's a it's a finale episode to the series, but it's also a television film where they actually 
end up meeting the 1987 Ninja Turtles. I've heard of this. I, there, yeah. it's more than that. I think they it, it's like four four different versions. Then they meet the 80s. In the eighties, yeah, yeah, turtles. They meet the comic, the comic. Yeah. Everyone rocking the same uh, bandana turtles, and yeah. I can't remember what the other one was. It's called Turtles Forever. <laughs> I feel like they, they, it's like a Power Rangers thing. That was me. me and my homie used to always be Power Rangers and, and the turtles. But yeah, man, uh, absolutely. Yeah, blood, blood in your last Ronin game. Blood in your last Ronin animated movie yeah, yeah yeah i don't think you can tell the story uh censored i think it has to be because especially with the, it especially with the story being about mikey right yeah taking that character from what most people know him as and bringing him to this dark gritty does what he needs to character is not gonna work it'll be a joke if you censor it it it'll still just be a parody. It needs to. You need to drive that point home. You need to have the that just a uh, juxtaposition between yeah. um what we know him for and the the reality of what he now has to do. Yeah. Um, and I a hundred percent agree with you. I was a bit shocked by it. Like I said, like I said, when it gets to the point where the guy's going to commit ritualistic suicide, uh, and we find out it's Mikey, all of that yeah. real, real serious, real quick. PTSD to the point that he's talking to his dead brothers, um, and they're arguing with him, and he's arguing with himself. Uh, it's all it's all pretty rough stuff. It's not stuff that you're used to um, dealing with when it comes to the teenage mutant ninja turtles. Um, I think. Not only will this make a pretty damn good, like I said, video game, I think it'd make a good movie. I wonder if the world is ready for it, uh, given everything. But yeah, man, like when you look at what the turtles have always been, they seem to not be able to reinvent the wheel. We have Mutant Mayhem on the cusp, right? Seth Rogen. Is that, is that what it's called? I yeah. didn't realize. It's I animated, believe- right? Yeah. Let me uh, put it up. But I think it's Mutant Mayhem. Yeah, it's animated. May 2023. Oh. Uh, no, what the hell? <laughs> That's it. That said March. I was like, uh, it's April. August 4th. Um, in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, after years of being sheltered from the human world, the Turtle Brothers set out to win the hearts of New Yorkers and be accepted as normal teenagers through heroic acts. Their new friend, April O'Neil, helps them take on mysterious crime syndicate, but uh, they soon get in over their heads when an army of mutants is unleashed upon them. It sounds, it sounds, it sounds pretty... It sounds pretty normal. I mean, uh, the cast is pretty cool. Uh, you got Jackie Chan as Master Splinter, so that's something. John Cena's <laughs> in it. Uh, Post Malone is in it. Ice Cube is in it. Paul Rudd is in it. Maya Rudolph's in it. Like I said, Seth Rogen already. Giancarlo Esposito. It's supposed to be like this 2D CGI animation, so we'll see. We'll see how it looks. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm 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 at least open to it. Animation what, is a great direction to head in instead of the live action shit they've been getting us. What do you think of New Shredder? 
Is that what it, is that what they call no, it? No, 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 that's what I'm calling it. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's what I'm calling liquid metal. Uh, shredder, shredder in this uh, Hiroto like his grandfather has a uh, outfit similar but it's all liquid metal like the T gosh yeah. not the one 9,000 or I forgot the fuck yeah no, bro we got they're gonna come for us now that's that's what's happening <laughs> the 8,000 the T8,000 is Arnold Schwarzenegger isn't damn it that was close I said, no 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 9,000 no, it, you might be right because I said eight thousand. I don't think that's it. Uh, the T nine thousand is not real. Not, not real. <laughs> it, it, it didn't come up anything. Anyway, uh, put your pens down. We're talking about something else. We're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about liquid metal. Um, Haroto. That's what we're talking about. This guy is he on drugs? Like at one point he's like on a scaffold. Just talking to himself, like in a hoodie. He's meant to be damaged. <laughs> they meant to be damaged. The official Turtlepedia for this character l lists him as the bastard son. They wrote that word, <laughs> the bastard son of Karai. So not necessarily someone that she treasured. And he even says to himself, he keeps her dead body to motivate him. <laughs> Again, not your typical Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle motivation or, you know, your story there. But, um, yeah, keeps his, uh, keeps his brother there out of spite. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting to have this turtle, and I guess it's possibly even a creative crutch to have the other turtles around. But I thought it was pretty interesting to have him to fight, you know, eternally with himself and seeing those other turtles. What did you think about that? I think it was a great way to keep them in the story and to keep their voice around. Yeah. You know, I Because, you know, otherwise you just won't see them at all <laughs> unless, unless they're dying, which is, which is horrible. I feel like in a lot of ways... Uh, Casey's daughter serves as a surrogate audience member. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of the idea in this five issue series um, of making a, of putting a spotlight on how proficient the turtles actually are when it comes to fighting? Because I feel like th this was like pretty laid out here. Like, you have no idea. Like they've been doing this not only forever, but had the very best teacher. I think they were just really leaning into the Ronin uh, part of it. Like they yeah. really wanted to give some gravitas to the idea that it's a uh, a, a, a clan feud between the two families, and they've been doing this for generations, and they've been trained all their life to fight the same war. You know, that's all very. Uh, Japanese, very it's, yeah. It's, uh, it, 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 I love it. Yeah, uh, definitely part of the culture. It, it's almost a shame. Like there was, there was a, there was a glimmer of Splinter actually considering this truce to be something worth a damn. You know, like maybe he's tired of all the bloodshed. Maybe uh, he can see the the benefit of putting our swords down for an instant 
And then, you know, to fast forward and it's almost heartbreaking to watch. Is it Ralph that comes in uh, to tell them about the ambush? Well, no, he they get ambushed, but it was a regular ambush. Right? Yeah. They were just in the midst in the streets, of their yeah. Coming out of their coming war. out of their yeah, coming out of the uh yeah. they literally right were on their way to April's, yeah, I think. To just go eat, <laughs> have dinner you know, like, and they got jumped. Oh shit, it's wartime and they were like, right. Oh fuck. You know, and Roth, this is where Roth decides like I can't fucking take this anymore. They really hurt uh my father. But Yeah. You know, he goes out on his own, gets out a bunch of feet people. He took out, no, I will say this. He took out a lot of the foots, foot, foots before the feets. he before he got foots. got the feet. It was a great scene. He goes out there, he gets fucking arrows everywhere. He's by himself. He's taking out dozens and dozens of foot clan. And then uh, he has one final fight with Shredder's daughter. And yeah, they and she takes him out underwater. He stabs her in the back, but she stabs him under the fucking throat. And I'm not sure if she... No, she doesn't live. She goes into a coma. Yeah. And then she stays in the fucking... And she stays in the... Uh, she stays in a coma until the end of her life. So Hiroto is... No, it was Stockman that, that, that basically cleared that road for Hiroto. Yeah. After well, the Stock, fact. After that is when he's offered... Uh, they're offered the truce. Because mm -hmm. I guess Hiroto takes over from his mother. Yes. And he offers a truce and they think, well, it's a new one. Let's see. Oh, yeah, because he literally gets like baptized or christened or whatever yeah. the heck in that moment. And then um, Stockman. The new head of it all. And I didn't realize if they were I didn't realize they were working together until they were working together in the future. And I realized yeah. that it was a uh, a whole thing. Like a whole plan. I'm not I I am aware. But I am not the most knowledgeable about Mr. Baxter Stockman. Yeah. I remember him being a fly. Am I am I wrong about this? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't recognize him while I was reading, but um, that's because it's been so long since I even saw the one show that I did watch. And I know a lot of people are like, well, why the hell did you put this guy on that show? And I'm sorry. So according to Turtlepedia, Baxter Stockman is a brilliant but mad scientist, often allied with the Shredder and or Krang. In almost every version, he is depicted as the creator of the Mousers. I knew that. Those little... I knew the Mousers from the video game, like these little bastards. <laughs> and the enemy of the Ninja Turtles. In most incarnations, he is forced into an alternate form. He is either converted into a disembodied yeah. brain in a cyborg or mutated into a fly. I knew him as a fly. You saw him as a brain? I, I saw him as a robot thing. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. As a robot creature. He was a he was a regular black guy scientist for a long time. <laughs> he you he know who played a, him in uh in the uh Gosh, Michael Bay movie? Who? Tyler Perry. <laughs> did, they turn, did they turn him into a cyborg? I don't know. I'm very interested in seeing what, what happened at the end of that movie to Tyler Perry. Interesting. Very interesting. So if you would have waited out to the 2012 series, he was a fly in that. Yeah, I didn't get to see that one. <laughs> but in 2003, you said he was a robot, huh? He was a robot. It was just his head. And so like he was like a... He's like the brain Machine. from the... He, well, he wasn't a brain. He had a head, like a normal head and like an eye patch thing. 
and it was huh. like in a bubble, and then it was just like a robot, giant, uh, giant robot body. <laughs> I think I think I'm seeing it now. It's almost like a Megazord. Yeah. But he, he, his, <laughs> what, <laughs> what is his neck plugged into? It's like they <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, stuck the, it. Yeah, he has a flat top, a monocle, seemingly, and then this big robot body. I think I want. I think it comes out. I think the head part comes out like a spider. They they, they took that from something though, didn't they? That's I'm sure. Weird. They, I'm sure they did. And that sometimes it's a projection. It, or sometimes he projects his head. Is that a thing? <laughs> I'm seeing right now from the <laughs> from pictures. I actually don't remember that one. Gosh. Um, what is this? Oh, Mutant Mayhem. I think Mutant Mayhem is going to be good. It, can anything be bad worse than that third film? Yeah, I mean, it, we can we can get there. <laughs> we can oh, well, I haven't there. seen the Michael Bay ones, right? So I guess <laughs> I guess uh, but I heard those made how that money though. I feel like if they were if they were very successful, then we wouldn't be waiting for another reboot right now. <laughs> um so apparently uh the reason why they went to japan and that was because they were aiming at a japanese market <laughs> <sighs> uh, capitalism the turtles to japan that'll get them so uh <laughs> in 2000 kevin eastman sold his shares of the turtle franchise to laird in 2000. <laughs> um, in 2003, Four Kids Entertainment launched a new animated series, the one you were talking about, which ran for seven seasons, concluding with a television film, Turtles Forever, in 2009. Laird had a role in the production, creating a closer adaptation to the original comic. So you have seen the most faithful version of the Ninja Turtles. Nice. Possibly ever. That's got to be pretty Very fantastic. Nice. I need to rewatch that. Check that out. In um, 2009, it was announced that Layer has sold the franchise to Viacom. Goddamn. He, he said he had tired of working on Turtles. I am no longer the guy who carries his sketchbook around with him and draws, it every, draws in it every chance he gets. In August 2011, two years later, IDW Publishing launched a new Turtles comic series with Eastman as co-writer and illustrator. That's the one. Yeah. So this is about 12 years ago. Um, a third animated series premiered in September of 2012 on Nickelodeon and ran for five seasons before ending in 2017. A fourth live-action Turtles film produced by Platinum Dunes, Nickelodeon Movies, and Paramount Pictures, directed by Jonathan Lesbin and produced by Michael Bay, was released in 2014. Okay, so that all tracks. Like, literally, two years after he sold it, they're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're gonna, we're, yeah, we're gonna do, uh, we're gonna do a movie. It received negative reviews, but was a box office success. <laughs> I guess you can only pray for for <laughs> something like that. Huh? Out of the shadows had a a budget of one uh one hundred and thirty five million and made two hundred and forty five million. So probably just made exactly what it what it had. No. So yeah, we're we're at we're at reboot 
season with them. Now you got a fork in the road. If you were to make a turtles anything, obviously there's only really two roads to go. Do you go live action or is it better CGI? Or animated, I guess that's what I want to say. I'd say you've already gone to the well many, many, many times in live action, and most recently you failed. So uh, dipping into the animated, especially now where the people who grew up watching Turtles are like the moviegoers who pay money, uh, you might want to give them something a little familiar. Give them the old two D razzle dazzle. Yeah, the razzle. I love. I love that phrase. Give them the. Give them the old razzle dazzle because we are so easily placated with a lot of this stuff. I think the reason why the turtles span the the test of time is because they've found a way that if you want to get into the lore, there are depths, but it always goes back to the regular formula. Yeah. So that if you ever miss an episode or several movies or an entire decade of a comic series like me, <laughs> you can come back into the Turtles and still kind of get what they're going for here. Yeah, I uh, think most most shows that are going to air on uh, Nickelodeon or, or uh, Cartoon Network, they're, they're almost mandated. Like, you have to pull back on your overarching stories. You still have to keep it episodic. Did you notice the um, advertisements for Jenica in this? I didn't get to read the um the little story the the, reg, the release ones. I only got to read the the trade paperback. How do you feel about Jenica, or should I more ask you how did you feel about Venus de Milo in the well, thank <laughs> live you, action? Jen thankfully, Jenica wasn't that. Like Jenica was a serious entry into the series. Uh, respectable. So you're not a fan of Venus? Should I, should I, should I let her know? <laughs> is baby blue? Is baby blue not not a appropriate turtle color? <laughs> you just don't let her know, and we, it's better off that way. No, bro, I, I, they braided, they braided her, her, <laughs> her bandana. <laughs> Jenica was another character I heard of as she was being debuted, because you know how that goes. It becomes a headline. And it's a got a butt. Yeah, it people becomes complain. before people even know what it is. It is told yeah. to you what people think it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, you gotta exactly. decide right then and there how you feel about it. <laughs> I was just like, it's it's part of this acclaimed turtles run of comics where fucking Kevin Eastman is involved in the storytelling. Like, how much more authentic does it get than that? Like, how who am I to have an issue with that? I haven't even. I haven't even read enough turtles to be like, ew, a girl one. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and to hey, see where it's coming this, from. This is what breaks my suspension of disbelief. Not the five foot tall rat in the kimono that's teaching them. Not the actual teenage <laughs> mutant ninja turtles. But a girl one. A that's girl. where I draw the line. They don't have girl ninjas. Oh, Ridiculous. boy. Yeah, I ain't got no problem with it. And she wears yellow. It's like it's not bad. Um, this this is told the last Ronin as a revenge story. And as any revenge story, there really is one end, right? You yeah. want to see this person finally get the person, the one person that has put them through all this uh, you know, trial and tribulation and trauma. And for Mikey 
um, there's almost a laser focus. What is it? No more Orokus. Orokos? Am I saying that right? <laughs> uh, they don't want none of them living. Like that's the that's what has been sworn by his clan, and because he feels like his family has been disgraced by what's you know been put on them uh, by this uh, other clan, that he just has this laser focus towards this. That as seemingly at many points he's even willing to put his own health in front of. Um, what do you think is the most tragic part about Mikey's story here in this? Uh, knowing he went, like I said, to Japan to try to prevent this, knowing that he sat with other, uh, you know, skilled ninjas and felt like he didn't even belong because they were a family and he didn't have his. Well, the most tragic part is that the loss of his family was so great that he was never able to accept that he found he found family again. Like, he had been without for so long and then he finally did find family again and then it was established that it's like it's 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 even more than just you know the friends you choose family type thing like they have a chemical genetic bond now yeah yeah that's real family right it's just a shame that he wasn't able to sit down and appreciate that and bask in it even though he did appreciate it i say because they, they would show glimpses of him just being like you know Wow, you know, uh, this Casey is amazing. Like, yeah. I, I get, and I guess that's where I got a little bit of the Dark Knight Returns, Oh Man Logan, of like, I, sure, I can. I, this is a kamikaze mission for me, but don't you fucking, you know, like this is named for you. Like, this is your body mission. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and it's like, well, you're certainly like head, headstrong about fucking killing there's yourself a, in this instance. There's a moment where you know uh, he steals Casey's bike before we know who she is. And it just kind of reminds me of like seeing uh, Carrie Kelly um, in the news stories about the mutants or having to deal with the mutants before she before we knew who she was or whatever. Except that Casey is a fucking mutant, you know, right. like in a right. literal sense. And uh, you know, in uh, the comparison to the Dark Knight Returns or whatever. But um, right, yeah. And then there's saying that there's that scene where. Um, they decide that she Michael's gonna be uh, her sensei, and she hugs him. Right. And that, take, that took me to the freaking after he whooped again. after he whooped her ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Threw her halfway across the, the room. And shit. That weird scene in the cave where Carrie hugs Bruce, and I'm like, yeah. but I'm sure he's supposed to be naked. No, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. No, well, I mean he basically is. Right? <laughs> that was Michael's a turtle. <laughs> He's got a shell covering his turtleness. You, you better hope. You better hope. That's what I got to say about that. Um, with you knowing that, with you knowing the cliche of revenge stories and all that kind of way, with you even doing the math and realizing there was only way, only one way this can go, how did you feel about Mikey getting his revenge, being able to take out Hiroto in the end, but ultimately succumbing to his injuries and, and passing away? It's one of those things where, like, the story has to end that way. And if it doesn't, it's not as good. It's wrong. You know, like you and you can say it's a cliche or a trope or whatever. Like, why do we have to follow the trope? Well, why do we put certain ingredients in a sandwich? You know, because we know we, we like the way it tastes. <laughs> could you, bro, could you imagine? And th bro, I am. I can see it. Both me and you run pages 
that deal with comments and stuff like that, we're going to get to a point where it's like, oh, you put milk with your cereal? That's so cliche. Yeah, right? Right? God, that's such a trope. Such a breakfast trope. Wow. You're like, you, <laughs> Bacon, egg, and cheese? What a trope. Watch wow, this. <laughs> I'm eating a fucking cheeseburger for breakfast. I'm subverting. I'm dipping my cheeseburger trip. in milk. <laughs> you can't beat this. You Bro, can't. I can see it, man. There's gonna it's gonna the histories, they're gonna come out. Ketchup in my salami and cheese. I'm subverting the idea <laughs> that I should enjoy this sandwich. <laughs> It's like no, a hundred percent. Like you said, some things are just right. The reason why these stories uh follow this narrative is because you are immediate this goes back to Kill Bill for me. That's that's my you know, uh hallmark, even though obviously there's bigger and you know brighter ones, but the easy one for me to go to is that one because you get introduced to your protagonist, you get shown a very terrible thing that's happened to them, like even worse than normal. You know, something that gets you so hot that you're yeah. like, yeah, everyone deserves to die. Like, you know, you're good. Kill them all. Uh, uh, John Wick, right? Oh, yeah. Literally, this is how this starts. It's like you get, you get, it's a revenge story. You get to, uh, uh, shown how your protagonist was outwardly disrespected in the absolute worst way. And then you're, you ride with them, ultimately knowing that the reason why they're on this journey is because nothing in regular life is there to satisfy them anymore they have no regular life there is no regular life this is their life now the ultimately, pursuit of this uh, the satisfaction or vague concept of satisfaction of getting this revenge right stories like this uh revenge stories like this one uh they the reason they all come to that same natural conclusion is because the they're meant to the cautionary tales like we're, yes the, they're all there's a moral to each and every single one of these stories and that is that you cannot let vengeance consume you otherwise it will consume you you will die right. you will you will die there is no other end because where does it end where does revenge end 100 it doesn't end well, how, do you, how do you how do you make a whole you know what what what, what in your opinion is whole and I, like, uh, you know, I was gonna say I like it. Uh, I, I, I <laughs> it made me think of fucking Attack on Titan. It's the same. It's the same concept, but told over a much longer, larger, overarching thing. But it's the same inciting, inciting incident that leads to the same uh, con- person being consumed by vengeance, and you know, the same natural conclusion that has to happen. It's well, well, not to get too existential here, even though I love breaking down these themes and stuff when it comes to podcasts. Um, but then, like, do you not see any justification in chasing it's justified. down? It's justified. It's always justified. That's the that's the that's the, the kicker, right? That's the kick in the. That's what makes that's it the worse, kick in the turtles. That, that you're right. <laughs> that you're absolutely right. Right. There's nothing in this world. There's nobody in this world who can tell you you're wrong. Right, that's right. what makes it. Now it's up to you. Like it's up to you to decide when is enough enough. You have to let go. You have to move on for yourself, for nobody else. Like just for you, you have to be able to do that, and that's not easy. That's why people would rather get consumed by vengeance because it's easier. But, uh, track mine. Yeah, yeah. I think of you. I think of you, Vendetta. 
too, right? Like knowing yeah. you're going out and it, it's going to be where it's going to be. Like your mission uh, is bigger than what it is in this instance. Um, and it's, it's tragic because uh, he carries around the book that Splinter would write all his teachings and, and lessons and learnings in. And in the back of it, I believe it just said no peace and oh. Uh, but they told us too. They told us very early. They told us early he was willing to go early on, and like very soon after he lost his entire family, he was willing yeah. to die. He but tried he, to die. He couldn't. He he said he like laid down on the floor, like he went yeah and just like did that like in hopes that he would eventually die. But he's mutation, which is another thing. I don't remember them ever talking about their mutation this much. No. Ever. Ever. And it like it totally makes sense that they would. But yeah. I don't ever remember it being this integral to the plot. Like, oh, why are you so strong? My mutation. Why did you heal from that? Oh, my mutation. Why did you not die when you just laid there on the ground? Oh, my mutation. Why does this person have powers now? Oh, they're around us and we were mutated. It makes fucking total sense now. But it's something I feel like... like is it just a case of, I can't even say a new writer. <laughs> it's the originators. Yeah. <laughs> Figuring I out like, it, oh, we have another, another avenue. I think, it's a, I think it's probably one of those things where I bet if you go back to like old Eastman comics, he probably established something like this already. But the okay. problem is that we only ever see the adaptations. You know, we That's only true. ever see the, the, the kind of cartoon or the ones that are toned down even. You yeah, know, to something like a mutation, like a constant mutation, we don't want to deal with that. Yeah, you're right, hundred percent. I even it, it makes me sad sometimes that there might be people in this world who only know Batman and Superman for their adaptations, right? Yeah, like yeah. when you consider the vast stories that have been told that influence those things. Yeah, um, you're right, hundred percent. The reason why these uh, characters transcend is because they're able to be adapted in video games, uh, in in movies, animation, all that kind of stuff. Because again, that's how I was introduced to them. I knew about the toys, I knew about the cartoon, and I knew about the those '90s series. It's easy to to fall into the hole of just like only having that service level knowledge because yeah. when done right, those things can inform, in my opinion. Right when they when they're like you saw the 2003 series, and if uh, the create co-creator was on it, then you did learn about yeah. the turtle lore through the series. I I kind of did part of, another reason I was so excited to read this for for this episode is because I only have that surface level knowledge, and it's like I can I I, I, I that doesn't happen often anymore. So like, you're right. I'm happy to just read something that I can enjoy without being all critical of uh, how they handle things or i'm just like that was a fun ride you know who knows three years from now i might come back after reading a thousand issues of ninja turtles and be like you know what this was hot garbage did you see how they gave april a missing left hand <laughs> or a right one yeah. i'm not gonna lie there was a part of me that was a bit afraid that i'd rub up against something i didn't know or wouldn't get um I wonder how strategic it was. I, I wouldn't know without reading their run, right? Yeah. Like how, yeah. like how 
how often are they able to, you know, stick to the status quo, but be able to ramp up? Because I think a lot of successful series, shows, even movie franchises are able to stick to the status quo, just be able to occasionally ramp up the stakes on occasion. Um, right. And if, if this is just an example of, of that, then maybe the lore never gets, you know, like ocean deep, but there are puddles that are a bit deeper uh, than, than most. It works better when you try not to give context to every single thing. <clears throat> okay. Like, yeah. If you just, just give the context to the why does he have one red shoe? Oh, like, that's from issue. What, whatever, whatever. Yeah, no, it's like yeah. you either know it or you don't, right? Yeah. And it, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, I think of the Mandalorian and people really got attached to it who'd never seen Star Wars before because they didn't have to put, they didn't give context to any extra people who came in. If anybody came in, they were just part of the episode and they served their purpose in this story and you moved on. And if you only if you felt left out, it's because someone next to you was losing their shit. And you don't I, feel, know why. I, 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 I feel I feel like this is the part in Iron Man 2 where he uh, creates a new element. I feel like we're stumbling upon something. You can't just have the in, full enjoyment of the series be based on recognition yeah. of things. The story just has to be good. Recognition of things, like literally, like recognizing something in a scene or a phrase, or a callback, etc. and so forth, should be the icing on the cake instead of the whole meal, because yeah, your entire meal is felt with like, oh, I, oh, I remember that, I've seen that before. That's from, you know, and from those who've never, then they never get full. They watch it and it's an empty sandwich. You know, it's an empty experience. And this book could have been that. This book could have been. 10, 20, 30, like I said, 40 years of lower uh, mixed and matched. And, you know, you don't you remember in issue 30 when this happened? Like, this is totally why we've come back to this. Uh, they didn't go that way. Um, do you think that they missed something by not having Shredder in this? Like, Shredder, I feel like, is a pretty, uh, you know, e like Batman Joker kind of thing. And we often talk about even in jest how frequently joker has to come back <laughs> to placate right people's understanding that if you're reading batman anything or watching batman anything you kind of expect his ass to show up because that's what it is that's the fight i actually really liked that they went with the legacy thing instead yeah uh you try to just batman beyond up. almost uh yeah yeah <laughs> almost yeah exactly we're in the future now it feels it feels very future like if we're in yeah. the future, we're still fighting Shredder. Then you failed. You failed your entire mission. You failed everything in life. Like, dishonor to you, dishonor to your cow. Yeah, bro. <laughs> no, I totally get it. Um, and yeah, this guy was more insane. And you know, you get this rewarding story. Things come to the end that you perceive that it would come to. Like I said, when it comes to these revenge tales, and then. Uh, you get this heartwarming afterlife sequence of him seeing his brothers again, him seeing his father figure again, you know, uh, which was heartwarming because it was drawn in the uh, old style. They got their the colors of their bandanas and stuff. Um, that was really, really cool. What did you think of the to be continued? We are raising four new turtles revelation. Nothing ever ends. 
Right. That's that's that's, that's <laughs> you that. learn from Watchmen. Yeah, exactly. It. Nothing ever ends. You know, uh, the best stories even have a have a small window open. Right. Um, um, you just want to inspire the reader. You know, like you want to leave them thinking. You want yeah. to maybe tease the imagination. The generation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Spark something. Make someone want to tell their own story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I. So again, at the end of the story, we're fucking Mike. Oh, I'm, I'm choking on the Jolly Rancher. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Lex, Don't Lex go. Luthor was here. He... <laughs> Don't go. Don't do the ritualistic. <laughs> it's not worth it. Lex Luthor put a Jolly Rancher in my mouth and he shoved it too far <gasps> in. Weird. It's really weird. I tasted his finger. I don't know why he did that. Did a whole speech about God and man. It took about a half an hour. <laughs> no, I um there was a scene at the end, you know, where Mikey he finally does get his revenge and he kills Shredder's grandson. And yeah. uh he's lying, dying, and they do the freaking heartbeat thing. Yeah. It's like here we go, the dark never turns again. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That, but he didn't come back to life, but that was a big decision. No, and lead the underground <laughs> resistance. Like, he's out, out. It's a wrap. Yeah, they didn't chicken out. And Frank Miller chickened out. <laughs> Frank Miller pushed out. How interesting is the concept of four turtles being raised as an homage to four turtles? <laughs> I mean, it's is, a little- is that viable? Does that work? Part I mean, I'm, is, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really being part honest. Of it is like, cute. Part of it is really cute. And yeah, cool. yeah. It's like, we're going to raise new turtles and we're going to mutate them. And I'm like, on purpose? Okay. That's <laughs> a little fucked up, but I mean, I get it. Kill me. <laughs> <laughs> all I, I feel do, is pain. <laughs> all I could keep thinking is how fucked up it is. Like, we just went and bought new turtles. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh the my Ninja God. Turtles died, and we just did you just like, did you just equate Michelangelo to a goldfish? Is that what you're, is that what you're saying? That's how it feels. You flushed one down the toilet and went to the store and got another one. Come on, Casey, um, let's go get new turtles. I know how sad you are over Mikey, <laughs> which you just met for like a week. He was a psychopath. He was just doing. <laughs> he was a psychopath. He was killing all these people. Um, yeah. I didn't really have much affection for the underground. The rock bottom is what they called it. Yeah, the ghetto. Yeah. Eh. Eh. Sorry, I mean, it was a, it was served its purpose. It was it was to, to the establish the way the world worked here. Yeah, the resistance, resistance lives in the bum ass area of the city. We we yeah. we broke as fuck. Um, yeah. Fighting against they weren't fleshed uh, out in any way, so it wasn't no. like there was no way to feel about them. No. <laughs> I love how they had like a, a whole mission down to a T and it all came to shit. Like when they're doing it, it's like, we don't worry, we got good comms. I can't hear nobody. <laughs> <laughs> this is horrible. We failed. We're when you get dying. there, no one will be there. There's We're surrounded. <laughs> it's like every, they get flashing back to show like no matter what they did, like they were Why out. Why does nothing out, work for us? <laughs> it's good Bro, stuff. My jaw dropped in the initial, uh, you know, when before Stockman blew up the building, when they show all those mousers, when they first yeah. sent the like that fleet of mousers to kill all the, to kill all of them. I'm like, damn, yeah, uh, yeah, this is this is how they go. 
Like this, this is like how do you beat this? Um, I did not know of this Honeycut fellow. Yeah, I again another was one he of not things. in the was he not in the uh, series? It's another one of those things. Like I recognized the shape of his face, and I was like, "This looks familiar." And then over my head, the I I have no clue. So, <laughs> Professor Honeycut is was a former semi-retired scientist on the planet the whom the Hunib. <laughs> it's d apostrophe h o o n i b the Hunib. the Hunib. professor honeycut the Hunib. Professor Honeycutt was once perhaps a great scientist of the Federation, a human guided system militant government. Despite his affiliation with the Federation, Honeycutt was a peace-loving man who developed his inventions. Yada yada yada. I guess he became a robot, like a uh, like a. <laughs> At some point, he became a, a scientist robot. because he's like sentient. Because he was like telling him. You shall not pass and shit. Like at one point, you, uh, you know, uh, Stockman, and blew him up. He was in the series. He was a robot. I well, shit, I missed it. It says Professor Honeycutt was also known as the Fugitoid, uh, and a recurring character in the 2003 <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle series. The Fugitoid. An yeah, alien but... scientist who had his mind transferred into a robot assistant. But there you go. I do recognize that face. That's why I, I was like, I know I've seen this before, but I have no real in-depth knowledge of it. Because that was that was one of those reveals, right? At one point, one of, that was one of those endings of a comic yeah. where they show his head. And I'm like, I shouldn't know what that is. <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry. It's definitely not my fault. I'm shocked. I'm also shocked. <laughs> you yeah this 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 page ended in a shocking manner. I don't know what I'm supposed to be shocked about, but I I'm shocked. I am That's, shocked. <laughs> it's happened. Um, man, yeah, I really really dug this uh series. It's short in the sense of, that it's five episodes, but like we were talking about before, they're all like mega. Uh, episodes issues they're all pretty thick issues real thick uh, yeah i have the hard copy um because i hope once i read it to possibly lend it out a couple times i think that uh, a bunch of people would get a kick out of seeing the turtles in this way um and i i can't help but think that this had to be fun to write right like if you were to create your own a series, characters, team. Uh, how rewarding must it be to be able to write your own, even fictitious, elseworld, whatever, um, cap to your story? That's got to be awesome. I came back to write my ending. Yeah. That's awesome. Everyone has their ending, you know? I remember when Tom King wrote his. He was like, I don't give a damn. This is, this is what, you know what In my <laughs> universe, in my world, in the story that I set up, this is how it ends. Uh, everyone should have an ending. I mean, Scott Snyder, suck, right? Scott Snyder wrote his yeah. for Batman. Jeff Johns did his for the Green Lanterns. They just tell your story in the future and don't fucking worry about it. Yeah. Frank Miller 
Batman, the Dark Knight yeah, no, Returns. Yeah, uh, no, hundred percent. Yeah, we would have gotten lucky. We could have seen the end of the DC universe with you, <laughs> got, King, you got King Thor. You got all those. The end. Uh, that whole Marvel series with different characters, all the Hulk, Venom, etc. Of the superheroes, rest in peace. Yo, <laughs> live action. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> you for live real? action. <laughs> real. What? That's when I want you. I want to see when they talk about superhero fatigue. I want to see that that movie brought up. I want that thing put on on center. You want to you want to fatigue them? Make yeah. that thing. <laughs> show them show them what the last avenue that this could take. This all this superhero stuff could take. There's a Lord of the Rings superhero movie just waiting to happen. Oh my god! Absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I uh, I recommend this story. I recommend uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in general. I played Shredder's Revenge, that side scroller on uh, the recent systems. I think it's pretty good. Um, the arcade game, like I said, Turtles in Time. People pick it up. Vanilla Ice is in Secrets of the Ooze, and I think it's a ridiculous cameo, but. Obviously worth your time. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. I think that's a, a great mo- moment in turtle history. Um, yeah, you heard Yogi tell everyone that every other turtle sucks but Mikey. That's what he said. So make sure that uh, any I, uh, uh, negative... <laughs> negative uh, <laughs> make sure any negative uh, contact. 40 years, bro. They are the 40. mid-age... Mutant Ninja Turtles right now. <laughs> that is elderly, crazy. Elderly Ninja Turtles. The elderly. <laughs> the my knees hurt. Mutant Ninja <laughs> Turtles. Golly. But I'm glad. Think about it. In any generation we could have grown up with. We grew up in the generation that had Ninja Turtles. For sure. That's got to be pretty damn good. Multiple iterations. Even that one that met the Power Rangers, which I feel like is the worst version, but I'm happy that it happened. <laughs> but there's one that met Batman. There's a, that is, group, yes, a that is. That, yep. that was pretty damn good too. Yep. Wow, that was good. Did they? I think they met the Power Rangers in comics as well. Yeah. But yeah, this there's no way this uh, franchise is going anywhere. Um, there's always depths to plunge, and I do think it's interesting that they keep the creators on board for this stuff. You know, it always seems to be a, a tried and true way to make sure this stuff is successful, but doesn't mean that everyone does it. It's initially like all the original X Men films were made under the edict of like, don't you read a fucking comic book? Like, don't you dare <laughs> look up what a Wolverine is? Like, don't you? I'm gonna tell you what it is, and you're gonna act that, and that's what it's gonna be. Um, so yeah, I dig that they, they still allow the creators to be part of the process because like you said, this stuff rings of, um, being genuine and not just a, what if, like, Ooh, like we got, um, gosh, what's his name? Oh, Punisher. Uh, We got Warren Ellis to write (laughs) a Teenage Mutant Ninja story, you know? It, it didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like they they wanted to change the status quo or, you know, be up in your face. It was like, this is this is the easy to see conclusion. 
This is when you take the stakes to as far as we take it. If you've read, if you don't have any kind of familiarity with our stories and you know the fight that they were fighting, if they were still fighting it and still fighting it from when you remember that they were fighting it, this is where that would be. Um, is, uh, I'm looking through the variant covers for this. There was 71 for the first issue. Which, first of all, <laughs> talk about creators, I mean, uh, collectors, right? But when you do 71 uh, variant covers, you, you have to start coming up with uh, some really interesting <laughs> concepts. I saw what you just said. Justin Roiland doing a cover for freaking with Kevin Eastman. For They're going to set that one on fire. That's got to be the most uh, elusive. <laughs> They're never going to print that shit again. So it's going to be the Is most. It? <laughs> Is that okay? So it's Roiland's the one that got in trouble? Yeah, he was. Oh, no. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I should have got one of these. <laughs> yeah, they're not gonna be reprinting that anytime soon. Damn. Seventy-one, bro. You could print me a collector. Seventy-one. Would you? Where do you stop at something like I, that? I, when it comes to variant covers and they do stuff like that, like I'll just get the ones that I like. Like I'm looking through these. You're not now. a completionist. No, not not when it comes to variant covers. Like variant yeah. covers, the ultimate like. If if they're trying to get a completionist, and that's like a ripoff, because a lot of the time it's just there's no reason in the world to buy <laughs> the variant unless you just like the cover. Because right. if a book shoots up in value, yeah, technically, if the if it's a rare variant, if it's not like one of seventy one regular cover price variants, if it's if it's the one of twenty five variant, which you can only get if a shop orders. 200 books you'll only get one for every 25 issues so they only get eight of that cover so then that right. only that'll that'll be rare sure and it's like it might be worth more technically but nobody's gonna be interested in buying that shit because it's not the iconic regular cover if it <laughs> happens to go fucking uh if it happens to shoot up in value like right just, the regular cover is the one that catches the eye that's the one that people always see yeah, I mean, I guess it's just got to be like an eBay thing at that point, right? Like, do you want a uh, variant cover fifty three of <laughs> Last Ronin? Like, are That's you specifically why... looking for that? Because yeah, I got that's it. What I'm saying, like, I, just get the ones you like. Like, I see there's some of these covers. They did Eastman did two of them that are direct uh, Dark Knight Returns influenced, and I really? would get those two. I would get both of those. Like, then that's it. I did like all like the blood, the blood red, you know, sun imagery. I, I did like all that. Uh, I it just looks badass. Like I said again, it's it's like the series, the franchise has grown up with me. It, it really felt cool to uh, see the aesthetic and be excited about the aesthetic. Even when the, he's, you know, uh, we have him mostly without the um the bandana. Yeah. You know, you see him, like, I don't remember ever seeing the turtles out of their bandanas that long. But he's an old, beat-up turtle. All that tape I, his ass had on him at one point. I actually took it as, like, a, I took it as, like, an homage to the to the original stuff where they just didn't have color. Yeah. And then, um, did the, the brothers never came back when he told them to leave, did they? No. That was pretty big. Get out of here. I'm fucking cured now. He ba yeah. 
I'm going to dispel all of my PTSD in this moment by declaring it away. But it's done. Uh, I've, I've been there. Yes. Yeah. Just <laughs> I hope you leave. Hey, you gotta be stern with it though. Definitely yeah. have to be stern with Get it. Out. Um, but I guess it serves the purpose because he's dead now. Well, they're right? waiting for him. Yeah, that's yeah. He needed to silence them until he was ready to speak to them. Yeah, that's what it was. You know, um, I can't believe I just talked about Michelangelo that way. (laughs) He needed to silence the voice of a dead turtle before he knew his impending death would bring him back to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles people that we're talking about uh, would bring him back uh, there. Um, There have been what? There's like a uh, mini series or something that spins off of this. Are you I aware? There's a, there's a there's a new one that's out, and I don't know if it's a prequel or a sequel or both, but um, I have to check it out. I think it's called The Lost World. Jurassic Park. Like that. Something like that. I'm uh, fucking <laughs> the lost uh, the lost years. The lost years it sounds a little prequel esque. Um, it is Eastman. Uh, it is Michelangelo. Um, doing his training in Asia. Oh, is that what it is? Is it yeah. juxtaposed with uh, Casey at all? It does say major characters: April, Casey, Michelangelo. Uh huh. And it says Michelangelo flashback only. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, Lost Years introduces a new generation of turtles. Oh, the babies are grown. Oh, really? Yeah. What? Oh, I just see it right here. Prepares her young Terrapin students to be the next generation of Teeny Mutant Ninja Turtles. What? The babies? Making me all excited. Oh, shit. I'm looking at their designs. They look really cool. What? How do you? What do you look up? I just looked up the lost years and then the original story from before the book came out dropped in my uh, from IGN. Uh, it's got like preview. Oh, images. the different body. They got different bodies. Yeah, <laughs> there's a thick one. <laughs> uh, wow! Wow! Yo, we got new. Like this feels <laughs> real. Like fresh. Like this feels. Yeah. New turtles wow. from Kevin Eastman. Oh, also, if I'm I, you saw them in color. I didn't. They have different colors. They have different <laughs> slightly colors. different colors. Slightly different colors. One of them is straight up brown. Uh, darker green, lighter green. Um, one one is like dyed, has like Mikey's, it's like yellow almost around his eyes. Oh, Almost like it's a I see them. I see them as babies. Yeah. They are all different colors. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's crazy. This is, this is great. I can't wait to read this. <laughs> maybe they don't need... <laughs> Look at you. Uh, maybe they don't need bandanas now if they're all different colors. They don't. This one had, This one came with built-in bandanas. Yeah, I like, I like it, though. It's like a Navi. 
One of them is like black and white, like he stepped out of a 1940s film. Yeah, one of them has like a beak, or it looks like he has a beak. The brown one he's looks a, like he has a, a snapping turtle. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Wow, so that meant that she didn't even she wasn't even careful about like she just went and bought. She didn't get brothers. Yeah, she didn't get brothers or anything like that. Like hey, uh, together in got, a clan. You got four turtles or what? You got four turtles. I just need four turtles. Oh, I didn't even freaking think about it. It's the the cover of one of the things is them all grabbing pizza and it's all their different hands. The different turtles' hands. But one of the hands is uh April's hand, so it's a robot hand. Oh. Um Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, she's out <laughs> she's she's out there. Damn. <laughs> yeah, she was a she was a news reporter, bro. <laughs> that's how she started. She was a news reporter. Um there's another huh do you think it's easy by looking at those four turtles to see what colors they would have been what do you mean so the new turtles yeah do you think do you think that they'll fall into the same four archetypes oh i our turtles and if so do you think you can tell by looking at them I don't think I don't think I can just from the picture. I think one of them certainly looks angrier than the other three. But <laughs> it could be it could just be the situation, you know. I would think Mikey's is the little yellow one. Yeah, yeah, he's got the smile going. Uh, yeah. The angry, the the angry black and white one might be Raph. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's this is gonna be interesting. I'm just glad I'm taking a chance, but. As we always know, easiest place to take a chance is in the Elseworld story. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you know where it's like, oh, you guys didn't like that. Well, that's it's we're done. It didn't count. We're yeah, we're done telling that story. So, uh, coincidence. But I highly recommend uh, this series, Last Ronin. I'm gonna be following. Um, <laughs> I just gosh, <laughs> one of the images is Mikey about to <laughs> commit Senpuku. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> you know, just sitting because it's in the comic. You know, he's sitting there. He says, "I'm sorry, Father. I failed. Please forgive me." <laughs> the comic is uh, it gets a bit dark, but the the turtles themselves are have always been a beacon of light, at least in, uh, to me in my childhood. Like I said, again, the movies, the video games, all that and more. And hopefully, um, we'll be able to continue this series. And possibly even come back around to cover um, this chapter, this next chapter, in this like last Ronin averse. Um, but the cool thing is, the only way to find out if we do that is uh, you can go to a special place. It's comicbookclick.com, which has every single episode of the Major Issues podcast. That's over 270 episodes with like 500 hours of content talking about the latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're also available wherever podcasts are found. That's Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app, TuneFind, uh, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. Um, easiest way. Google the Major Issues Podcast, and we're the first ones to pop right up, because we're always talking about the latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. Um, 
we are at facebook.com slash comic book click instagram at comic book click or you can use the hashtag comic book click to uh shout us out stay connected we're always trying to uh incorporate our fan base in everything that we do and we're across those social media channels constantly updating our schedule for the podcast putting out the latest bit of news speculation and um even commenting on current events or putting out some uh, badass or funny comic book panels. So make sure you're following us all over social media. If you want to help us out, consider becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse is the quickest way for us to um, get your support because the money goes directly to us. And we try to give you guys a bit of a behind the scenes look at everything that happens with a comic book click and you can do so for as little as 10 cents a day three dollars a month um if you want to purchase a bit of our merchandise if you go to comicbookclick.com and hit that shop cbc link it will take you to our t public store and we get a kickback from all of that but at the very least if you want to help us out don't have any money we totally understand that too consider rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes and telling a friend to tell a friend. It's how you will spread the wealth of all this. Because I promise you, I've been to the future where we do become the latest and greatest thing to come to complex complex media. It is a twisted future, but if I tell you how we do it, it'll be an even worse future where the last Ronin is played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And no. nobody wants that. So make sure that you guys are uh telling a friend to tell a friend, following us uh everywhere we are. But more important than that, for this specific episode, make sure that you're following our guest, Jonathan Escudero, a.k.a. Yogi, at... Uh, follow me on... On, on fucking... <laughs> <laughs> follow me on Twitter. Follow the Dirt Sheet Radio Twitter page at Dirt Sheet Radio on Twitter. Find us on Facebook at Dirt Sheet Radio. And you can follow me at Mr. Yogi420 on Twitter. Uh, definitely go listen to the podcast, too. Go listen to Dirt Sheet Radio. Yes, I will link uh, the Dirty Radio Facebook on this episode. Uh, it'll give you all the channels you guys need from there. Um, again, these guys are juggernauts in the world of professional wrestling. Um, even regardless, bro, of what Nick Aldis has to say about it, I think Ooh, that you guys man. are. I think that you guys are doing an absolute uh, fantastic job, and it's always great to have you sit here and talk. You cheat. Have you have you cheat on professional wrestling for a bit? You know what I'm saying? Talk <laughs> comics. You understand? Know I, I know. I know comics is your, your salacious, the other woman in the room. I get it. My secret lover. Your secret lover. But you know, it's always a pleasure uh, to have you on. But um, my name is George Serrano, aka the Don, and this is John Escudero, aka Yogi. And this has been our last Ronin and almost Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, recap, review, and retrospective. And remember, whether you're a teenage, a mutant, a ninja, or a turtle, whether you think you're cool but rude, or just a party dude, remember that we are the clique. And always remember that you, yes you, are worthy.